Hey, everyone. We're in conversation with Phil Goddard. Phil hails from Cambridge in the UK. Uh, Phil might be my new best friend. I hope that's okay with you, Phil. And the reason being is that you may not know Phil, but I was tipped off about Phil uh, in the year 2021. And during the pandemic, uh, my father, who hails from Stratford-upon-Avon, tipped me off about Phil and what I believe was a purpose-driven decision uh, from being in a career and then shifting careers entirely. And so without spoiling the plot, and if you're not sure or unclear of what Phil's story is, I thought, Phil, maybe we'll start with who were you before we get to the career change and what that was. But tell us a bit about, you know, your first 25-ish years in career and some of the things you got into. And then we'll get into the uh, existential difference that you've made, I suppose. Sure, sure. Thank you, Dan. And, and thank you for inviting me on here to talk about what I still feel is a very boring a mundane story, so uh, <laughs> basking in the glory, still of it all. So I've I've, I've come from a, a background in telecoms, uh, predominantly in sales. I started as a boy back in 1981, a long, long time ago, as an apprentice. Yeah. We were I worked for a national telecoms carrier in the UK, British Telecom. Of course, uh, BT. In those days. Yeah. BT. So I was an engineer. Um, during that time, I moved up the food chain, so to speak, and. Uh, became a pre-sales guy and then moved into sales management, account management. So in my latter years in BT, uh, I worked uh, as a sales manager. So I led a team uh, looking after multinational corporate clients in, in what was in industrial manufacturing sector. Right. Um, fairly transferable skill set, you assume at the time, and this was back in 2006, 2007, I started getting itchy feet. It was a very good voluntary redundancy package. Yeah. And they were paying something like two years salary. So it was a no brainer. I'd been there 25 years, got a good pension. So jump ship, I took the money uh, and started a sales management career in Vodafone, big global mobility player. You may, you guys may be familiar with. Guy Lawrence. Well, I, I remember Guy Lawrence well. <laughs> yes, Guy Lawrence was CEO, a very charismatic, very tough man. Uh, but very charismatic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was an exciting place to be. We worked in global enterprise at the time, which was, it felt like, um, I guess, a startup, but it was a global account management beast. Uh, and it was a great place to be. Right. Um, but as you get older, the I found certainly in telecoms and sales, um, the pace, uh, the energy that's required. Uh, you know, the demands on your social life, your work-life balance start to become quite a challenge. Um, I, I lasted about eight years. I say I lasted about eight years. <laughs> I, I moved out of there um, and I went to work for uh, a smaller but innovative carrier called Truefone uh, that had a multi-IMSI uh, proposition. Great place. Worked there for a few years. Moved, followed my boss, which I'd worked for in previous lives in, in BT and Vodafone and the like, uh, and spent some time in the construction industry, again in the sales management role. We were bought out by a private equity firm, mm-hmm. uh, then the pandemic hit, and I had a period of furlough, which was an unknown entity in the UK. Um, with all the madness that was the pandemic, it, it's, it suddenly changes your mindset. Right. So I'd gone from being... What I felt was, you know, having a really great career to being really important, having a team of sales guys uh, working for me and having a sense of purpose to suddenly face in life on the scrap heap. Hmm. Uh, and sort of 55, 56, it was like, God, what am I going to do? 
Um, I was made redundant along with quite a lot of my colleagues, uh, very predictably. But using my old boy network, uh, I did secure a, uh, an account management role in, um, oh goodness me, in Talk Talk, a national carrier oh, yeah. based up north. Um, again, quite an innovative and fast moving brand. But this time I took a new role. We were downsizing, uh, moving house. So I had a whole load of things going on in the background. We sold our house, paid off our mortgage, but we had a three month transient period where my wife and two dogs spent two and a half, three months living in a caravan up on the East Coast. In the middle of a a lockdown or a pandemic. Absolutely. In between lockdowns, we lived there. I had a new job. Um, We then moved to an Airbnb, lived in a farmhouse for what was nearly two months. So really stressful time. I used to have loads of hair. I don't have, (laughs) unless listening without the the video, I can see that, you know, I'm follically challenged these days. Right. Um, But I think it, it got to the Christmas of, uh, 2020 and I thought what am I doing I, I was just so unhappy uh, didn't enjoy what I was doing uh, and you know but didn't know what to do and, and that then sort of provoked a whole load of inner reflections um, moments of stress not being able to sleep all of those sorts of things and it all just sort of came crashing down on me uh, so, I thought my god what am I going to do um, so it's a, so we're, we're into 2021 and before we we do do that shift and yeah. really get into that um, when you were doing some of that reflection, thinking ahead, ultimately, and I perhaps ostensibly, you've got to look behind at your yeah. past. So yeah. were you also looking at the sort of the roles at BT, at Vodafone? Were you looking at some of the other bits of your career and said, wow, I, I really like that, or I really dislike that. Why did I stay there? Or why did I put up with that? Or wow, that was amazing. Like, did you do that sort of a 25-ish year, right, reflection backwards? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think as, as life goes on, your tolerance to suffer falls diminishes, I found from personal experience. Mm. Having the courage to, to challenge that, having the courage to step out of your comfort zone, when you, when you I found when you get into your 50s, and you've had a lifetime of working in sales. Yes, it, it breeds confidence, and you, you're essentially talking for a living. Uh, so you've got lots of transferable skills, I believe, lots of business experience, good gravitas, but you don't necessarily see it when you're having a bad couple of days and you've got delivery problems, unhappy clients, you're trying to forecast a challenging target, and you can't see where the money's coming from. All of those things going around in your head. It's how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep to the lifestyle that my wife and I've got used to? All, all of those insecurities come crashing down. Um, and why didn't I do this sooner? I, I had that feeling in BT when I took my first leap out of what was quite a, a big institution, a safety blanket. Um, and I went from what I secured a new job before I pressed the button and took voluntary redundancy. So for me, there was a safety net. So the fast forward to coming to the end of 2020, 2021, I didn't know what to do. I knew what I didn't like, but I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I was going to say, Phil, did, did, when, I mean, there's a lot of pressures going on. I mean, you're, you're in a caravan. Uh, you've, you've got the dogs. I can't imagine, I mean, me being an owner of two dogs, what that's like in a very condensed <laughs> area of space to live in. And just, just, and then there's the pandemic on top of that. I mean, where did you find, I suppose, that that courage or that inner strength to go through such um, almost an acquittal of where you were to where you wanted to be to release yourself ultimately to, as we'll find next, right, to get into a decision-making tree of I'm going to do something completely different, a 180? 
I, 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 the biggest factor, the biggest, the easiest way to answer that is is my better half, my wife. We've been together ten years. Uh, we got together three months after I was widowed, uh, my previous wife, um, uh, and my wife Karen has been an absolute rock. Um, great soulmate, without sounding cheesy, but a great person to to listen to and take that perspective and then reflect on it for you and present you back what she sees, mm. which was grumpy partner, constantly unhappy, not sleeping, um, you know, one too many red wines, all of those things. Right. Uh, and the simplistic opinions that were coming back, not so much opinions, the simplistic feedback was that you need to do something for your own health. You're no longer 25, 30. Uh, and when it eats into your personal life and it affects our relationship, you need to reconsider your life. Yeah, you know, you don't, you, at the moment, you, you seem to live to work and not work to live. So think about making some lifestyle changes. And when you're in amongst all the bullets and the shells going off, it's very difficult to take a step back. Mm. Um, and Winston Churchill once said, when you're going through hell, keep going. And that's all I could see. You just keep going on. You keep doing the same thing over and over again until something cracks. One thing I did learn while living in a caravan and living in an Airbnb, if a client rings you at 9.30 at night, it's never a good idea to answer the phone because something's going to go wrong. <laughs> uh, and all of these little anecdotes were becoming the norm. Uh, uh, and I think certainly that phase of my life, when I look back on it, I think, how the hell did I survive? How the hell did my wife not smother me in my sleep because I was so miserable? <laughs> So there was there was all of these all of these things going on, all these external factors, and perhaps the universe was saying, "Phil, we're sending you lots of uh, little subtle hints here. For God's sake, listen to one of them before yeah. you have a heart attack." That's that's. I look upon it humorously now in retro, in sort of retrospect. Well, I, I suppose as well, Phil, it's fair to say that you didn't want to start twenty twenty one with a homicide on your record either. So you did listen Correct. to your, your beautiful wife, Karen. Yeah. You pr- I, I suppose uh, positioned an opportunity your way. So let's let's get into to that. And I'm not sure if that was the only uh, proposal that came your way in terms of looking at a career change. But mm. let everyone know sure. where yeah where that came from and what you're doing now. Sure, sure. Well, I, I mentioned it early on in the conversation that uh, we downsized. Mm-hmm. If I if I take a step back to put it all into context, um, we knew redundancy was coming. We had a five year plan which was sell our house, use the equity to move further north where property prices are more favourable. We've got three grown-up children between us. They've all moved out. So it took me a little while to understand the mechanics of that. But my wife straight away said, we've got equity, let's use it. We did, and it worked. So smart we new- Very smart, Karen. Yeah. Very smart. <laughs> we worked, so we, we bought a new build. There's a bit of a time lag, hence the, the transient period. But we're all moved in. We've settled. Uh, I was working on a large bid for a major retail uh, outlet in the UK when I was working for Talk Talk, yeah. um, and it was it was a defence bid, so we already had the business with Talk Talk. I won't mention the name for legal reasons, right. but we were successful in the end. So that was my swan song, which I'm pleased yeah. about. Yeah. But so stressful tenders, are such a stressful, time-consuming uh, exercise. Hmm. I was just day and night waking up thinking about, have I done this? Have I done that? I remember checking email hours at 2, 3 in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I just thought, I don't know what I can do to change this, but I absolutely hate it. And I thought, I don't have a mortgage anymore. I don't have the money worries. So 
I need to do something. And I, and I had a heart to heart with my boss, Jackie, who works at Talk Talk, and she was fantastic, fantastically supportive. Um, and I made a real easy decision, I think, in hindsight, that I just didn't want to do the job anymore. So I resigned. I had to work three months' notice, but I had an exit strategy. And suddenly, having admitted to myself that I was unhappy, having discussed it with my boss and said, I need to step away from here. I'm just not happy here anymore. I felt two feet taller. And suddenly I could start to spend time thinking about me and what the hell I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, yes, we had a, a financial advantage, so that gave me a cushion. Not everyone has that, I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a chance. Chat. We were sitting, my wife and I were sitting there watching TV, and she was looking through uh, the PC and said, Royal Mail are recruiting. Why don't you apply for a job as a postman? Uh, and by chance and subconsciously, I remembered we've got friends that uh, the guys and Gary works 50 miles away from me, but he did this move, took a job as a postman, stepped out of a very stressful career in the city of London five, six years ago and loves it. Paid peanuts, but it's quality of life. Yeah. So I applied for the job, gave it no more thought, got an interview within a week, uh, had to do some online um, situational-based uh, common sense questions, road awareness, safety awareness, things like that. Right. And got an interview. Uh, and the interview I went through was nothing like nothing I'd ever done in the corporate world. Oh. Very informal, very um, competency-based, but very informal. And I was offered the job. I was like, my God, what? What have I done? Yeah, careful, what, careful what you wish for, I think Confucius said. So, um, and seven months on, uh, I'm still there, 10 pounds lighter. Um, blood pressure hasn't gone up, so that's good. So, <laughs> and, and, it, and it really was a random advert that we'd seen, but perhaps there were some some, uh, some, some, some subconscious uh, indicators that this is something you could do. Um, as I said, I've talked for a living for God knows how many years. So what a postman do? Postman chat. They talk rubbish. They make small talk to people. And I've been locked in and I hadn't spoken to anybody for like two years because of right. the pandemic. I was a caged animal dog. <laughs> You've got your own route and you're doing stand-up as you're doing the route. Well, absolutely, absolutely. So, so technically I'm a reserve. So you get as a, as a reserve postman in, in the UK, you, you cover other, other roles. But I've been fortunate in that I've had some stability of, of roles and I have got to know some people in there. I even got Christmas tips this year as well. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I hadn't had Christmas tips since I was like a paper boy when I was like 12. <laughs> So, uh, you know, suddenly life's changed. Uh, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know how it works in Canada, but the postmen all wear shorts over here, regardless of the weather. Um, that lasted up to about November. I was not, not brave enough to do it when it's windy and wet and horrible. But, um, well, I, love but your, I do love your elastic band tip, so I'll, I'll be using <laughs> Yes, I yeah. I live, in, I live in Victoria, so it's basically England's weather. So, um what, one of the things I learned when I did my MBA, one of my strategy profs, I'll never forget the line, uh, and this is you know, circa 20, 25 years ago now for me, um, Dr. Powers said, uh, you, can, you can pay attention to the headline, but the bigger story is the trend line. And so the headline might be that Phil Goddard, you uh, chose to become uh, a postman for Royal Post. But what I see is your trend line. And that's what I think people really should be learning from. 
you know, the the various media outlets and mainstream will say, oh, man quits his job and from Cambridge and goes on to be a postman. Okay, that's going to get you clicks. But what I'm seeing and what I'd like to dig into just a little deeper is, again, the path. So I come from telecom. I spent uh, 12 years in telecommunications at Canada's BT, uh, TELUS. Mm -hmm. And I I have full understanding of some of those pressures that you allude to and and working with sales and pre-sales and just the, um, you know, the, the requirements for you to be on. Uh, almost 24-7. The trend line that I'm getting at here is, is, is perhaps even some more insightful wisdom from you, Phil, about that, that analysis, that uh, recognition that maybe you didn't have to be on all the time, or was there something different that you might have done at Vodafone, at BT, at Talk Talk, just so that, you know, here we are, both of us in our 50s, perhaps helping people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s see what is it that they can do differently before they get into a situation where they might have to have a bifurcation or a demarcation of what they're doing may not be good enough for their own self-health, but that they yeah. need to make a change in order to provide uh, a better. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really good question because hindsight is a really valuable asset mm-hmm. for the human species. Uh, and I think I look back and think I should have done this differently. I should have done that. I've spent countless well, countless years of my life worrying about things that never came to be. That's just the way my brain is wired. Um, I've done a fair bit of coaching. I've interviewed lots of people. I've done personal development plans for team members. And it is all about, I think, perspective mm. uh, in terms of the way I try and describe that is that you can look at an event and that event can trigger emotions if you let it and if you let life dictate to you and you worry about it your brain will stimulate hormones and make you feel bad if you can look at life with a different perspective and oh great i'm delivering telecoms i'm not curing cancer i'm not stopping world war three and it's putting all of those things into perspective and it's having the ability to uh switch off now the cruel irony is that my wife took on a promotion earlier this year she works in public health she's got a business support team that provide a lot of pre-COVID support to um, the local government. Yep. And she's on teams 11, 12 hours a day. And I hear everything that goes on. So I'm now doing a very manual job that has absolutely no stress whatsoever. So you can still revert back and give guidance as guidance was given to you, to your partner. Mm-hmm. But coming back to the trend line point, I, I think everybody's situation and position is unique. One of the big learns and uh, big humble moments I had was I had messages literally from every continent, Russia, Germany, Japan, Far East, all sorts of people saying, oh, you've really inspired me. How could I have inspired you? All I've done is stepped out of something I didn't like. But when you dig under the surface, people say, you know, I want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I can't can't afford to do that I'm, I'm 30 oh my god i didn't think about doing that at 30 but i've you know i've paid off my mortgage and i'm now 57 and i've got grown-up children and i'm advising my child and my stepchildren on career choices and life choices and all those sorts of things um i think finding people have the ability to find mentors in the corporate world is much easier than in the sme environment yeah talking i've always found talking therapeutic Problem shared, problem halved. Really old, really corny saying in the UK and maybe globally, but it's true. 
Uh, and I think if you plan, what is it? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. All of those things you can plan out your working day and then something goes all right and it all goes tumbling down and life suddenly becomes shit. Um, it's how you deal with it, how you perceive a set of given events. Uh, and we're only here for a short period of time. Work-life balance. Um, get out if you have dogs. Go walk the dog if you like sports. Go run, play ball, whatever it may be. Um, and during my furlough period when we were facing redundancy, um, I get out the running machine, I go out, walk the dogs, and all the things to help stimulate your body look after you. Um, I'm now doing a physical job after spending my whole life on my backside. So everything aches and creaks. Uh, and I think to try and answer your, your very deep, big question, I think my advice is to people is be kind to yourself. Look after yourself. Think of yourself as, a, as an antique car. You've got to put lots of TLC into it. You've got to make sure it's service properly you've got to make sure it's treated with uh with love because you're only here once uh, and as much as a, you love the money and you love the career you know your life is more important uh, and i've learned that lesson later in life i think when i was younger i was immature didn't recognize it saw the money enjoyed the trappings but there's an end game uh, and it's about being happy and if you are not happy do something about it and that took me a long time to live by those words. And I've been saying those very crassly for, for years and years and not really paying a great deal of uh, notice to them. But if you can go to bed, having looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm happy with the day, I'm happy with the life I'm living, fine. Um, and to all the people that said, oh, I think you're really brave. I don't think I'm brave. I think I procrastinated for years. I perhaps should have done this six, seven years ago. But my financial circumstances were different. But if, if suddenly redundancy forces you in a different direction you take a maneuver don't you, you take evasive action and, and and it's it's making sure you've got a plan in life and it's making sure that you cover the things that are necessary um, that, that's quite a long vague answer i hope it gives you some semblance to what goes on inside my my head and has gone on inside my head yeah. Bill, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, I've really appreciated your time. A couple uh, summary thoughts here. First, in that uh, LinkedIn post from 2021, you sort of ended, and I'm paraphrasing, you, you basically have one life, so live it. Yeah. And I think that's just astute, sound advice for people perhaps younger than us in their 20s, mm. 30s, and 40s, because I think some people take for granted uh, mm. that they're going to live forever and that it's going to be awesome. Sometimes yeah. it's not. You do own your life, so make those decisions. Another another thing you said, which I've used before, so man, I believe that we're cut from the same cloth. Uh, do you work <laughs> Do you work to live or live to work? Yeah. And that's that's as deep and profound as it can get, because if you are working to live or living to work and you're not sure what those mean good gosh are you in trouble uh and third you brought up churchill and i think your career and what you've done recently uh, says a lot about this next quote of churchill he once said uh, to improve is to change but to be perfect is to change often and that's really the journey of life isn't it make sure you're looking at yourself uh, analyzing self-correcting so that you do have that sense of eudaimonia that flourishing uh, in order to live your most fulfilled life. Absolutely. And as we grow older, we amass life skills and we amass confidence that our children and their grandchildren won't yet have. 
But, uh, you know, as I've said to my daughter, she's going through her second house move. Mm. Stress, she's got a really good career now. She's developing at Tesco. Um, and she's got all sorts of things going on. And I say to her, life's what happens. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. <laughs> Another quote I've stolen from John Lennon. There you go. Exactly. It's the realities. Shit happens, to put it, and sorry to use profanities, but the, the, the rounding off of the edges is there's always something that's going to happen. And if you can manage the curveballs that life throws at you and have a plan, always have one eye behind you. Um, and, and you can only do your best. And you're right, life, you know, there's only one life, live it, enjoy it, be happy with yourself. And that's what I'm trying to do. Bill, you're a mensch, you're a sage. I think a lot of people uh, continue to learn from your, your wise words. I can't thank you enough for this today. Uh, all the best on the route, wherever the route takes you, uh, come rain or shine, as we know in England. I think come rain, there's a horrible storm coming our way again. <laughs> all the best, Bill. Thank you again. I'm honoured. Thank you very much for your time, Dan. Cheerio. Good luck. Thank you. Bye.